to the Two Bees podcast. I hope you've had a good fortnight. Have you missed me? Um, I have to admit, it was so nice being back podcasting again that literally the next day after we published, I had an idea for another podcast and recorded it and then was like, hold on a minute. This is ridiculous. Stop. Step away. See, this is how I got into that habit of doing a daily podcast last time. It's very addictive. So um, don't worry though, all the ideas I've had over the past fortnight I have scribbled down and they're going in my list of things to podcast about. So I've got an extensive list, but I do want your help. So this week for this podcast, what I'm really excited about is that we started using a tool called SpeakPipe. So if you listen to the Pat Flynn podcast and there's, there's lots of others that use it, where you can just click a button, record a voicemail for us, kind of asking us a question or leaving a comment, and we can slot that audio file into the podcast so we can actually hear you asking the question during the podcast. So what's wonderful is one of our clients, Matt, from a county council, Suffolk County Council, has recorded a question for this week's podcast. So I'm going to answer his question in a second. And then I've got some other stuff that I'm going to talk to you about after that. But before we get started, uh, I want to do a bit of housekeeping. So this week, this Thursday, the 24th of March at 3pm UK time, we, myself and Emma Cossey, so if you're a member of the Facebook group, it's Emma Ward in the Facebook group, um, but Emma Cossey on Twitter. So myself and Emma are running a webinar for freelancers. Um, but if you're, if you're, you don't have to be a freelancer, it's really for people who are using social media and you're either kind of a one man band or you're a part of a very small team and you want to think about ways to streamline your social media activity so that you can still be active but with the kind of limited time and resource that you have or also if you're the kind of person who uses social media to really build relationships and to do kind of business development so that kind of sales and attracting new clients will also be covering that. So the webinar itself is at three o'clock this Thursday but don't worry if you can't make it at three o'clock sign up anyway because the re- play will be available for 48 hours after the webinar happens so if you think this is something that you would benefit from then just sign up anyway and we'll just send you an email as soon as the webinar is finished you'll be able to watch the replay with everyone else and you'll have access to that for 48 hours so don't miss out just because you're busy on Thursday afternoon so Also, what I would say is if you know you're not going to be around on Thursday, but you sign up and you have a question, then just post the question in advance, you know, email it to me or leave it in our Facebook group or tweet me with it at Jennifer D. Begg. So any of those options and that way I can still answer your question during the webinar, even if you're not there live to ask it. So that's this Thursday at three o'clock with Emma Cossey. Um, what other homework did I have? Oh, so today we published an article on the blog. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but kind of last week we did a really long blog post on how to bring on board your sceptical colleagues. And that included a download of a kit, if you like, to run your own workshops to kind of help you demystify social media. It included, so it included a slide deck for running your workshop, a poster to 
pop up around the office, you know, behind the toilet door, that kind of thing with your top three social media rules to kind of get everyone talking about it and everyone aware of what you expect from them. And then it also had a kind of interview checklist. So one of the things that we said we would recommend for trying to bring on sceptical colleagues is if you run, do little mobile phone video interviews with them. So it helps you get to know them, helps them get relaxed on camera and also so this checklist kind of helps you with the technical side of interviewing and also kind of sets up how you might want to question them to learn a bit more. So that was in the workshop toolkit download from last week's blog post and this week's blog post which was just published so the podcast is going live tomorrow so it was published today. Ugh, so much confusion it's like we're traveling through time. Do, 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 do. <laughs> not quite. Um, so today's podcast, eh, not today's podcast, today's blog post that we put up is another really long one. So that's what we're going to be doing from now on is not just doing kind of short content. We're going to be doing more long form content and, you know, we're going to share why that is. So over time, we're hoping it'll really help with our SEO. Um, there's certainly indications that it will do that. Um, and also it just really helps us provide more value because the thing about learning new stuff is that tips and tricks and quick fixes are great for blog posts and, and they're great for people as well. You know, I love a little tip on Twitter, but I think it's also quite good from a learning perspective to give you enough information to kind of learn things properly and thoroughly. So today we've done one on the blog post itself is about kind of listing out what are the social media metrics you have access to, where can you access them, and instead of a kind of um, toolkit, which is what the download was last week, this week's download is instead an email course. So it's a six-day course where you get an, e get an email every day for six days with a new training video which will take you step by step through, you know, this is how you um, filter on Facebook audience insights. This is how you access Twitter analytics. This is the information it gives you. This is how to analyze it. So that's going to be um, a free email course that is the download for this week's um, blog post. So go and check those out. I'll put the links in the description below. But if not, just go to team2bees.com forward slash blog. You'll be able to access it all there. So Related to this blog post, actually, and honestly, with no prompting from me whatsoever as to what he should ask, Matt actually asked a question about social media metrics. I'm going to pop his question in here now and then we'll get to answering it. Hi, Jennifer. It's Matt here from Suffolk County Council. I've got a question for you. One of the things I get asked a lot is what are the best metrics to use to measure the success of campaigns? Is it all about sheer volume of views? Is it just about the levels of engagement? Or should we really only care about the number of final conversions happening on our website? Thanks. OK, I love this question because so obviously I'm in my my brain is all about social media metrics at the moment and analytics. But what I love about this question is it's asking, you know, it's asking the right question. It's asking why. So what are the right metrics to measure? But, but why are they the right metrics to measure? So my, I, I come back to this. So if you, how to decide on the right things to measure, because there are so many things that you could measure, like endless amount of things you could measure. 
There's also a lot of things I'd, I wish we could measure that we actually can't. So we have to be careful, actually, when it comes to social media or digital as a whole, especially web analytics, is that because we can measure so much now, we're a bit spoiled and we think that we can measure everything, but we can't. Not everything can be measured. But in, in terms of this question, I want to just take a step back. So my my first answer to Matt would be, what is it you're trying to achieve? So in order to know what you need to measure, you need to understand what it is you're trying to do. Now, because Matt is from a local authority, he actually ticks a lot of boxes in terms of what each department will be trying to do. So unlike, you know, like a commercial organisation or even a charity, which will have very distinct goals, if you look across a local council, you have so many departments trying to do individually very different things. But when it comes to goal setting, really, all of the goals that you write down, all of the objectives that you write down, all the things that you say you're trying to do with your social media, they come down to three different things. And those three things are transactional actions, educational, and behaviour change. So if we take transactional first, and that's, that's kind of the easiest one to measure, so that's why I'm going to pick that one first. So transactional is anything where you want people to kind of have a distinct closeout, like an end point that you can measure. So a few examples of that are, so the simplest one, e-commerce, so that's transactional. If you're on social media and you want your social media to drive more sales, then the types of things you would measure for that are, do people click on your links? When they click on your links, do they then convert when they get to your website? So that's going to be a combination of measuring click-throughs from social media and conversions on Google Analytics. So those are your very simple measurements for e-commerce. Now, things that fit under e-commerce that you might not think about are actually so fundraising for charities. That's the same kind of transaction. You know, what drives people to get to your website and then actually donate? Now, there's a secondary kind of... Mm, oh, this almost creeps into the educational side, but a secondary thing towards driving sales, and that's not just people clicking, but do people share? So... If you post a status update to a product or service that you're selling on Facebook and people share that update, then even if that individual didn't buy, they're still really valuable. That's still a valuable thing to measure. It's still a valuable, you know, the reason you measure things is because you want to improve them. So how you pick your measurements are what are the things you need to improve? So I need to improve people clicking on links and I need to improve people sharing those status updates so that more potential customers, potential community are aware of what I'm trying to do. So that's how I pick which metric is going to work for me in terms of measuring that. Now, transactional also covers lots of other things. So data capture is another thing that's, that's essentially transactional. So anything where you want to drive people to a place where they're going to fill in an email address and their name, or maybe even more. So one of the things I know that lots of local authorities are trying to do is move people online when it comes to filling out their forms. So that's a transactional action. Now, 
what you need to then do is there might be an educational place within that. And I'm going to come on to the kind of educational metrics. But the, the last final thing you're going to measure is how many people actually filled in that application online. And did they come from social media? Now, the thing that you will miss out on if that's the only thing you measure on social media is how much of an impact the softer stuff, so the, the comments, the conversations, the retweets, the more passive activity, you don't underestimate how much of an impact that can have on that end transaction. It's just that that end transaction might not happen at that point. So that moves me on to the, the types of things that we measure in an educational goal. So if it's your goal to change people's minds, to educate them, or to open their minds to something. So an educational goal is something like, so it might be public education, it might be, you know, educate the public about a certain topic. But for a business, it could be, what if your brand has been really slated in the press recently, or there are misconceptions about you? You know, anything about brand reputation is actually an educational goal because you're trying to educate the public and change their mind about what they think about you. So for that, the types of things you might measure, so that will depend on how your message is being communicated. So if your message is being communicated in a series of blog posts from your CEO, then the types of things you're me you will measure are, so you will get click-throughs from social media, the comments that are left when you share that article on social media, what do people say about you? So any comments, any replies on Twitter, um, comments on YouTube, those will all be part of how you measure if you're educating the public, if you're changing their minds. Um, if you have interviews with staff members on video, then the types of measurement is going to be view counts, how many people actually viewed the video, and then you'll want to do some qualitative um, kind of data gathering on positive and negative comments underneath each video. Is it a podcast? So how many people listen to it? So you see what I mean here? It's going to, with educational goals, it depends what medium you're trying to, you're trying to get that educational message across in, and that will di dictate your metrics. And then the social media aspect of that, although just an aside if it's video please upload the video directly to Facebook you'll get more visibility don't share a link to a video so that's going to be metrics that you get directly from Facebook um, if it's a very short video so under 30 seconds you could also share that directly on Twitter so that's going to work for you as well but don't forget that you not only want to measure how many people consumed the information that you're trying to educate them with is how many people communicated with you afterwards or during that. So who commented, who replied, who, you know, complained and, and what kind of negativity and positivity did you get? So that's important. Now, when it comes to reading articles, make sure you partner that up with, um, with your Google Analytics. So something, if we're talking social media metrics, something you might do there is if you're actually measuring behaviour on your website, but you want it to link back to what you're doing in social media, then what you would look to is how much traffic is being driven to that article by social networks and then compare, okay, when someone comes from Facebook, how long do they stay on the page? When they come from Twitter, how long do they stay? When they come from LinkedIn, how long do they stay? So 
then you can compare which networks are driving the most um, engaged readers for that blog post or viewers for that video if the video is on your website. So again, it's just thinking about goal first. What is it you're trying to achieve? What medium are you using to translate that information? And then those metrics will, will just kind of come up um, very naturally from there. Now, the last type of objective is by far the hardest one to measure. But what I would say is that uh, this, this is the one, it, it could be absolutely fascinating. So behaviour change. Lots of different organisations will try to elicit behaviour change. Again, Matt's from the County Council, so there could be um, health messages. We're trying to change the public's um, fitness levels or you know, dietary habits or smoking habits. Or you know, there'll be lots of things that a local council is trying to improve in terms of behaviour. Now, behaviour change happens over time. So you'll want to take as much baseline data as you possibly can and then look at how that, um, you know, correlates over time. Um, but let, let me take a couple of examples for behaviour change. So, for example, if you wanted to improve your local area's health or you wanted to get less cars on the road, let's say, so you were promoting cycling in your local area. First thing you need to do is, so say, I'm going to take this from Matt's perspective, so he's local council, go to the traffic department, ask, you know, how many average number of cars on the road any day of the week or during rush hour. And then you look at, right, we've set up a Facebook community for local cyclists where we support them. And we can track in there how many of them ask questions. Does the membership grow over time? So that shows me that more people locally are interested in cycling. And then I would go back in a few months time to the roads department and see if we could see any significant wins in terms of reduction in cars on the road. Now, what you'd also want to take into account is what time of the year you were taking that data for, because obviously if it's worse weather, you don't want to be comparing the cars on the road during June versus February because there's always going to be more cars on the road in February, you want to look at one year versus another year and look at the weather for that month as well. So we're talking lots of data long, long term here for behavioural change, but there are metrics that you can pick. So here you've got your top line metrics of traffic figures from traffic department, and you want to balance that with the things you're doing directly in the community using social media like a Facebook group. And has that, is there a correlation? You know, has that actually made a definitive improvement? Um, another way you might do this is if you want people to be choosing healthier foods, then as a local council or a charity, you could go to the supermarkets in your area and work with them over time to get a particular message out so you know that you're talking about things on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, wherever and you ask them for top line numbers on how many people are now buying organic, how many people have stopped buying so much sugar, you know, has there been a pattern in the local branches of those supermarkets, you know, because they have all that data about the type of food that's being sold. So again, we're talking about big numbers here and also we're talking about partnerships in order to get that. So behaviour change is a really difficult one, but again, you you don't want to measure everything. Here's where you want a correlation. So whether it's transactional, which is obviously the simplest, educational, which sits right in the middle, and behaviour change, if you start with the goal first 
and think about the process you need to get someone to go through in order to achieve that goal, it becomes much clearer which metrics you should be measuring on that journey. So if you focus on it from that perspective, you should be able to pick the right numbers. And if you're really not sure, pop in the Facebook group, you know, lay us some questions and give us some scenarios and we will help. So I love this stuff. I love, I love, love, love answering questions, especially about goal setting, because it's the thing that most of us forget to do in the beginning. And it just, it makes everything else easier if you just start from that perspective. Now, with that in mind, I've actually got a free download of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Goal setting checklist, guide to goal setting, I want to say. Oh, I wish it was in front of me right now. But anyway, I've, I've made a document which talks you through goal setting and picking the right metrics for your goals. So I'm hoping that that should help with answering this question as well. So just click there. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud or iTunes or, you know, all the other places you can listen to this podcast, you'll need to pop over to my blog to get the link. But if you just go to team2bees.com forward slash blog, and then you'll be able to see this podcast episode will be right there. And it's you'll be able to click on the button to get get that download. So the download is available from the website. So just pop over there and you'll be able to get that. Now, I want to just move on to another question. So this is a question that came up while I was running a report with someone, uh, with a a client we were working on, you know, this idea of conversion metrics, but it's something that lots of people overlook and I just want to talk about in a little bit more detail. Now, actually, this really links back to the whole transactional goal thing of, you know, if you're driving someone to your website and your goal is to get them to sign up for something or data capture or whatever that might be, if you are in an organisation where it's not easy for you to get a custom landing page built or you know, you have to wait a while to get people to um, yeah, to create these custom pages. Or you're really frustrated that you're working so hard on email, on direct traffic, on organic SEO, on social media, and you're driving people to the website, but they're not converting when they get there and you don't have control over that. That's so frustrating and it must drive you insane. I know lots of recruiters that have that problem because maybe they have a recruitment system that's a bit older or it's just, you know, a bit cumbersome and and frustrating. So something I'm very keen on is custom landing pages. And people think of these for just, you know, sign me up to an email or enter this competition or whatever but honestly if I was recruiting for a particular position I was finding it really difficult I would do a custom landing page with all of the information about the job the exact type of person you're looking for a video of their team members talking about the projects they work on so that the person who's watching it can get a real feel for what they want to do and then just have a box that says if this is you give us your name and email address and we'll send you an application pack And that's a really simple transaction. I know it's not, you know, filling in forms online or anything like that. But if you're really struggling to recruit, it could well be your um, your application interface. And it's exactly the same with if you have an amazing offer or you want more people signed up to your newsletter or whatever it might be. 
whatever what's the impression you're giving people when you drive them to an area of your website and it just doesn't convert properly for you um so there, there's lots of good news around this because th the reason i brought it up is there are loads of tools to help you if you want to create a custom landing page i'm a big fan of ask for forgiveness not permission so if you know that in your office your web team are going to get really annoyed at you because oh why have you made that custom landing page you know all everything has to sit on the website if you can say to them great happy for everything to sit on the website but this landing page you know 100 people came to it and 50 of them signed up we never get that many on the website look at the data for the website then you can back up your argument about how much you need their support if they really need you to have that landing page then they you know on the website then they need to create it for you and they need to create it for you quickly so what this does is even if it's not a long-term solution it can help you nudge your team in the right direction so I want to talk you through some tools that are, certainly ones that I use and ones I would recommend so the first one I want to recommend is lead pages if you listen to podcasts, you've probably heard loads of people talk about it. It is brilliant. It's paid for. So I have the standard account, which is about $190 for the year. And it is really good value. What I like about it is I can go in and I can look at loads and loads of templates for landing pages for all different things. And I can organise them by conversion rate. So, And I normally don't use the, the top conversion because it's not really my style or whatever. So you still need to pick exactly what works for you. But this is coming from data from thousands and thousands of users worldwide. So it's quite useful to know, well, what does get people to sign up? And, and they've obviously got this information that you can then take advantage of. So I create my custom landing pages. If you sign up for the webinar, that was a landing page made on lead pages. And you'll notice the URL is in my website. It's not a lead pages URL because you can quickly integrate it to a WordPress site if you want to, literally with a plugin. If you have a bigger website that's not built on, you know, Squarespace, WordPress or those kind of smaller CRMs, then you can just download the HTML. And if your web man or woman or whoever says to you, Ah, you're not allowed a lead pages URL. You shouldn't be driving people there. Just say, don't worry, here's the HTML, create a page for me. And all they need to do is upload that to your server. So it doesn't have to be a big headache. Um, so yeah, lead pages is one that I'm really very keen on. Another one that I know um, people like to use is called Instapage, and that's very good as well. And that's more the kind of style of a one-page website, you know, where you kind of jump down and it's all broken into sections and looks beautiful and clean. Um, so kind of, it's quite, you know, quite a popular style at the moment. And that's good. They have free and premium versions. Another super popular one that I've used before as well is called Unbounce. You've probably heard of that one. It's really good. And they also have a free sign up and you pay for kind of premium options on top of that so you can test out and play around with it without spending any money so unbounce is great and unbounce and lead pages are really good at giving the data about you know how many people landed how many people converted so it's not just that they'll create a landing page they will help you you know improve conversions um and then one more that I would just mention is Shortstack. Shortstack you may have used back in the day when, you know, back in the day when we all created custom tabs for our Facebook pages, which it's not really as popular anymore, although some people still do it. So Shortstack 
was first used for that, you know, kind of running Facebook competitions and creating a little tab for your competition, that kind of thing. But they now do custom landing pages. So you can have a really good play around with short stack and they as well, they have free and premium um options. So go in and have a look at have a look at short stack too. So lead pages is my number one, but you know, shout out to Instapage, um, Unbounce and Short Stack too. But but this idea of having custom landing pages or just nice clean landing pages is really important, especially if your goal, your objective for what you're doing is transactional. Um, but equally, I would say if you have an education goal or a behaviour change goal, you might want to capture some email data of your audience so that you can influence them over time you know that's one of the reasons we want to capture email so much and you need to convince people to give you that currency because it is a currency and if you're just not confident that your website is converting for you then test out that's my answer to everything isn't it test it test it see what works just test it out and that's what I want you to do I want you to test it out and see if it works so below you will see all of the links for um, all the different tools I have mentioned and you can um, you can click on those and go and test those out. There's also a link to the blog post if you're not listening to this on the blog where you can get your download of your guide to goal setting which I hope you'll find really useful. Um, and yet yeah, you can also click on the post from yesterday if you want to sign up for our free social media metrics email course, which is really good. I spent loads of time putting it together, so I'm really pleased with it and I hope you are too. And don't forget that this Thursday, three o'clock, we've got our webinar. But if you are not around at three o'clock UK time and you still want the information, then make sure you sign up anyway and we will send you the replay, which will be active for 48 hours, which gives you a bit of time to come and have a look at it. So that's all for now. I'm going to go and I've given you all of those things to play around with and just a reminder that I'd like to hear from you. I'd love for you to record on SpeakPipe. So if you want to ask us a question, it's just speakpipe.com forward slash team two Bs and the link is below. Okay, that is me for now. Bye.